Welcome to the Time Machine Talk Show. Here's your host, Miss Ziegler. episode of the time machine talk show to talk about alexander and the hellenistic empire so here we go we're going to be on page 126 of your textbook and we're going to be answering the question what changes did alexander's conquest bring in their wake the macedonian takeover of greece led by its king philip ii finally accomplished by 338 bce what the greeks themselves had been unable to achieve the political unification of greece but at the cost of much of the prize independence of its various city-states. It also set in motion a second round in the collision of Greece and Persia as Philip's son, Alexander, prepared to lead a massive Greek expedition against the Persian Empire. So two things that this caused by Alexander coming into power and by the Macedonians taking over Greece. They unified Greece. However, some of the city-states had to give up independence. And they also conquered much of the Persian Empire. So here we go. Such a project appealed to those who sought vengeance for the earlier Persian assault on Greece, but it also served to unify the fractionist Greeks in a war against their common enemy. The story of this 10-year expedition, accomplished while Alexander was still in his 20s, has become the stuff of legend. Surely it was among the greatest military feats of the ancient world in that it created a Greek empire from Egypt and Anatolia in the west to Afghanistan and India in the east. In the process, the great Persian empire was thoroughly defeated. Its capital, Persepolis, was looted and burned, and Alexander was hailed as the king of Asia. In Egypt, Alexander, then just 24 years old, was celebrated as a liberator from Persian domination, was anointed as Pharaoh, and was declared by Egyptian priests to be the son of gods. Arian, a later Greek historian, described Alexander in this way. His passion was for glory only, and in that was insatiable. Noble indeed was his power of inspiring his men, of filling them with confidence, and in the moment of danger, of sweeping away their fear by the spectacle of his own fearlessness. Alexander died in 323 BCE without returning to Greece, and his empire was soon divided into three kingdoms ruled by leading Macedonian generals. From the viewpoint of world history, the chief significance of Alexander's amazing conquest lay in the widespread dissemination of Greek culture during what historians called the Hellenistic era. So that first part merely talks about how he did it, right? According to the historian, he was just magnificent and people would follow him and he inspired his men to continue to go further and to conquer more. In Egypt, he was called the king of Asia, okay? So he was just this great human being of leadership in this next couple paragraphs, we're going to look at the Hellenistic era, okay? Hellenistic is a word that just means the spread of Alexander's Greek culture throughout the empire. Elements of that culture generated in a small and remote Mediterranean peninsula now penetrated the lands of the first civilizations, Egypt, Mesopotamia, and India, resulting in one of the great cultural encounters of the ancient world. 
The major avenue for the spread of Greek culture lay in the many cities that Alexander and later Hellenistic rulers established throughout the empire. Complete with Greek monuments, sculptures, theaters, markets, councils, and assemblies, these cities attracted many thousands of Greek settlers, serving as state officials, soldiers, or traders. Alexandria in Egypt, the largest of these cities with half a million people, was an enormous cosmopolitan center where Egyptians, Greeks, Jews, Babylonians, Syrians, Persians, and many, sorry, I lost my place, many others rubbed elbows. A harbor with space for 1,200 ships facilitated long-distance commerce. Greek learning flourished thanks to a library of some 700,000 volumes and the museum, which sponsored scholars and writers of all kinds. Here's a new word for you to add to your vocabulary, cosmopolitan. It just means that you are at ease with other cultures. So Egypt was at ease with other cultures. It was kind of like the center of the ancient world for diversity okay kind of like houston is today how diverse we are with so many different cultures that's how egypt was back at this time from cities such as these greek culture spread from the mediterranean to india greek became the language of power and elite culture bing 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 put that down in your notes that's one way that it spread the language the indian monarch ashoka published some of his degrees in greek while an independent greek state was established in bactria in what is now northern Afghanistan. The attraction of many young Jews to Greek culture prompted the Pharisees to develop their own school system, as this highly conservative Jewish sect feared for the survival of Judaism. So you can also say that many cultures were attracted to the Greek culture. Then we go on. Cities such as Alexandria were very different from the original city-states of Greece, both in their cultural diversity and in the absence of the independence so valued by Athens and Sparta. Now they were part of a large conquest states ruled by the Greeks. The Ptolemaic Empire in Egypt and the Seleucid Empire in Persia. These were imperial states, which in their determination to preserve order, raise taxes, and maintain the authority of the monarch, resembled the much older empires of Mesopotamia, Egypt, Assyria, and Persia. Macedonians and Greeks, representing perhaps 10% of the population in these Hellenistic kingdoms, were clearly the elite and sought to keep themselves separate from non-Greeks. In Egypt, different legal systems for Greeks and native Egyptians maintained this separation. An Egyptian agricultural worker complained that because I am an Egyptian, his supervisors despised him and refused to pay him. Periodic rebellions expressed resentment at Greek arrogance, condescension, and exploitation. So basically what that's talking about is that non-Greeks were exploited and sometimes looked down upon by Greeks. But the separation between the Greeks and native population was by no means complete, and a fair amount of cultural interaction and blending occurred. Alexander himself had taken several Persian princesses as his wives and actively encouraged intermarriage between his troops and Asian women. In both Egypt and Mesopotamia, Greek rulers patronized the building of temples to local gods and actively supported their priests. A growing number of native peoples were able to become Greek citizens by obtaining a Greek education, speaking the language, dressing appropriately, and assuming Greek names. In India, Greeks were assimilated into hierarchy of the caste system as members of the warrior caste, 
Orca Sutra. While in Bactria, a substantial number of Greeks con converted to Buddhism, including one of their kings, Menander. A school of Buddhist art that emerged in the early centuries of the Common Era depicted the Buddha in human form for the first time, but in Greek-like garb with a face resembling the god Apollo. Clearly not all was conflict between the Greeks and the people of the East. So there were several examples in that paragraph about how the Hellenistic culture spread and how it merged with the other cultures. One of those would be the Buddha having the face resembling Apollo and being dressed in Greek-like garb. All right. Uh, others would be Greek education, the speaking of the language, people assuming Greek names and speaking the language and getting involved in Greek education. All of that is absorbing the Greek culture into their own culture. And that wraps up this edition of Time Machine Talk Show. I hope it's helped you. Please let me know if you have any questions. Uh, just email me at msjzieglier at gmail.com. Thanks for listening.